0: Hello everyone and welcome back. We're back in the book of Job. Um we're going to be looking at chapters 29 and 30 today. And Job seems to be um a book that has um is teaching me more than I thought it would. Um and I kind of the word Job I, I think of uh, uh I thought of Jesus ordains brokenness. And uh, that's the J for Jesus, the O ordains, and brokenness it would be the letter B. Because it's calling out to us. This shows us an example of someone completely broken, but also the friends judging Job in his brokenness, and Job judging himself in his brokenness, and Job judging his friend's in his brokenness, and Job's friends judging themselves in their brokenness. They're all broken people. But it doesn't show you the power of how we want to judge one another. Job is obviously flat on his back, and he's lost his family, and he's lost his friends, and he's lost his position, and his money, and his title, and his even his good health. And his friends are there to supposedly cheer him up, but it's more about boosting themselves up in front of him and belittling him in his brokenness. Of course, Job's calling them out, saying, you know, you're worthless friends to me. And I feel worthless. You know, I'm ready to die myself. You know, that's what he's saying. They're all sizing one another up, according to physical characteristics and situations. And yet they're all sort of calling out and acknowledging that there's a limit to what they can even understand. The friends say that. Job says that. And it kind of comes to another thought when I look at the word J-O-B and I'm just another little acronym popped in my mind J for Judgment's O for observations and B for burn. Judgments and observations burn. When we judge one another, when we observe one another. So I wrote this little thing down this morning. If you like me, I worry a lot. And it's human nature to worry. We have school and education and food and clothes and housing and transportation. Medical stuff we have to You know, medical supplies, our health, our savings, our bills we have to pay, our job, making decisions. You know, all these worries of life never ends. And neither does these worries that come with it. Things that we have to do seems never-ending. And the worries come right along, doesn't it? And to be clear, you know... We need to worry. It's the emotion that keeps us going forward. You know, to stay on our toes, to plan ahead. You know, if we didn't worry about the bills to pay, they wouldn't get paid. If we didn't worry about our children, we wouldn't be raising them correctly. So, on one hand, worry can keep us focused. It's good. It's healthy. However, on another hand, it can so easily keep life, this gigantic blur. On one hand, it focuses things. On the other hand, it just turns things out of focus because we're so worried about the worry, concerned about the worry, focused on the worry. It can potentially create life complete without focus. So the book of Job in many ways, gives this glimpse and insight into our own lives. Lives lived out of focus. So God shows us in chapter 1 that He knows this. He knows what's important and what our focus should be. Our focus should be on Him, His love for us, our place in heaven rather than our place on earth. We get that in the book of Job. We get it from God's viewpoint which we rarely get anywhere else in the Bible. We don't get a picture of God sitting around talking about us like He does in Job. But then again, Job's suffering illustrates something very profound that we can look at too. This inner struggle that every single one of us, and I dare to say, deals with either consciously or subconsciously. These judgments and observations burn us. And this, think, this feeling that sort of hit me this morning that Job must have been thinking to himself or his friends must have been thinking or maybe we think today, Job, you could have done so much more with your life. Look at you now. Isn't that what we maybe think of when we look in the mirror sometimes? Man, life, this is it. I wonder if I had a redo, could I have done so much more with my life? How must that make God feel because I haven't done more with my life? Job tells us that Jesus ordains brokenness. We can feel broken. We can feel unsatisfied Jesus is ordaining that. He's ordaining our brokenness because it's not about our brokenness. It's about His ability to ordain us through His life. His life is the only life that that matters. In order to get to Him, we have to sacrifice our own life. Everything we build? Yep. Yep. These questions that we ask ourselves. How do I measure up to someone else? Have I wasted my life? I feel guilty for feeling good when somebody else is feeling bad around me. You know, we're constantly making judgments and observations about one another, aren't we? Either subconsciously or consciously. We size up ourselves to somebody else. What kind of job? What kind of education? What kind of clothes? What kind of personality? What kind of popularity? All these things. Constantly judging. And then, inside, there's this feeling that I really wish others wouldn't misjudge me. Because half the time, we're judging others, and they're judging us right back. Nobody wants to be misjudged. And this... Discrepancy always results in arguments and misunderstandings. We think to ourselves, I hate arguments. Everything seems to be, unfortunately, based on one person's judging another person. Christians, non-Christians, friends, family, all judge every day. It just never stops. So those were some of the things I wrote down this morning thinking about this study. Let's jump in. I'll read some of these high points Uh, McGee says in chapter 29, Job has a bad case of or itis In other words, it's all about himself. He uses the word I 52 times in this chapter. It's I-talk. False security, material substance. There's no broken spirit coming here. Job sort of reveals this self-centered nature. As McGee says, when you get wrapped up in yourself, it makes for a pretty small package. So, jumping in, chapter 29, Job again took up his discourse and says, Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the the days when God watched over me. Oh, boy, I wish for the good old days, right? When his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through the darkness. I was in my prime. When the friendship of God was upon my upon my tent, wow! Oh, to be in your prime, huh? When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were all around me, when my steps washed were washed with butter, and the rock poured out for the streams of oil, <laughs> wouldn't that the steps were washed with butter? Isn't that neat? I mean, some of us use butter in our coffee or butter in our hot chocolate it's kind of a for me almost a play on words but but to be able to have those good times huh verse seven when i went out to the gate at the city when i prepared my seat at the square the young men saw me and withdrew and the age rose and stood i mean he was respected the princes refrained for talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed, and the tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, it called me blessed. And when the eyes saw, it approved, because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. In other words, this man was a good man. Very well respected. I put on the righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. And I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. He was a man that would give good advice. He was an outstanding citizen. He was a good steward. I broke the fangs of unrighteousness and I made him drop his prey from his teeth. And then I thought... I shall die in my nest. I shall multiply my days as the sand, my roots spread out to the waters (coughs) with the dew all night on my branches, my glory fresh with me, my bow ever new in my hand. Men listened to me and waited and kept silent for my counsel. After I spoke, they didn't speak again. And my word dropped upon them. They waited for me as the rain I smiled on them, and they had no confidence verse twenty four and the light of my face that did not cast down. I chose their way and sat as chief, and I lived like a king among his troops. that was verse twenty five like one who comforts mourners. Boom, Job was looking back, and in you know in this world, in this time, you know it could have been you know God's rules for sacrificing, he did it all. And we recall back in chapter 1, he was offering or thinking to offer a sacrifice for his children cuz he thought they might need it, but nothing for himself. Maybe a little pride mixed in here as McGee says. There's no broken spirit. And we have to be broken. Jesus ordains brokenness. So maybe part of this lesson that we're getting here is that's the only way we come to Jesus is in our brokenness. We're not coming to Jesus as a judging Christian or one who comes and feels like, hey, you know what, I'm doing good. I'm trying to do good. There's none of us that are good. Chapter 30, but now they laugh at me. Men who are younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to set with the dogs of my flock. They're laughing at him. What could I gain from the strength of their hands? Men whose vigor is gone. For Dropping down to verse 9, and now I've become their strong. The, I'm sorry, and now I've become their song. I'm a byword to them. They abhor me. They keep aloof from me. They do not hesitate to spit at the sight of me. Because God has loosened my cord and humbled me, they have cast off restraint in my presence. On my right hand, they rabble rise. The rabble rise. They push away my feet. They cast up against me their ways of destruction. Last verse is 31. My liar is... Turn to mourning in my pipe to the voice of those who weep. In other words, he's singing the blues. All I can do now is weep. He's used I over a hundred times in these two chapters. We see here, I've written notes in my study Bible, Job tries to justify himself instead of justifying God. Pride blocks Repentance. Job's problem was pride. It's a cancer of the human heart. So we're going to stop here. And we're going to turn the rest of the podcast over to Matali, our co-host in Zambia, as we reflect on judgments and observations burn, whether they're coming from ourself to one another or one another back to us. Judging yourself within God's creation prevents you from assuming your rightful position to the Lord. On our knees, broken as we should be. That's the only way we turn our lives over to Christ. But we want to judge And we want to justify ourselves before God and before one another. So important to us. Only Jesus ordains brokenness. We have to be broken. We have to realize that we're broken. There's nothing that we have that is right before God. We are not right before God. Our lives are not ever right before God Only in our brokenness can Jesus ordain us. So, we'll stop here as uh, always from me to all of you. God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you next time tomorrow as we continue our study through this great book of Job. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean.